Welcome to The Female Perspective. This is Brittany. And this is Cash. In this podcast, we cover a wide range of topics from health, fitness, body image, sex, social issues, personal development, and much more. We endeavor to open discussion that will educate and support you in your relationships and everyday life. We hope you can love, learn, and grow with us. With love, Cash, and Brit. guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is Brittany here, and today I'm going to have a special guest on with me. His name is Justin, and if you guys follow him on any social media channels, you probably know him as Nutrition Max. Uh, before I knew him, I thought his name was Max too, so a lot of people probably think his name is Max, but it's Justin. But today we're going to talk about women's health, and I'm excited to bring Justin on because he specializes in women's health, and I did a poll on Instagram. If you guys are not following me on Instagram, go on there. Definitely follow The Female Perspective on Instagram as well. But I did a poll asking if you guys wanted to hear about women's health or about IBS. And we will probably eventually do the IBS topic at another time. But the women's health topic won. A little bit about Justin and why I'm excited to have him on. He is very knowledgeable in many topics, but he is a clinical nutritionist who obtained his Master's of Science in Nutrition. He focuses on holistic health, specializing in women's health and autoimmune diseases. So he mostly posts a lot of information on Twitter. That's how I found out about him and how we became friends. And he posts a lot of Uh, like I said, a lot of information talking about uh, different health topics and he's just very knowledgeable in what he does and obviously he is a qualified professional on this topic. So this will be definitely a great podcast and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Okay guys, so we have Justin on the line. (coughs) Say hello, Justin. (laughs) Hi guys. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) First, I want you to explain who you are, what you do, your specialties, everything like that, and then we will talk about today's topic. Oh, gladly. So, well, besides the fact that um, you know, I'm a total science nerd, I'm an avid guitar player. I love writing music. I like poetry. Uh, I like taking walks on the beach. You know, uh, <laughs> all that stuff. And, um, no, so I, aside from that, I spend literally most of my time doing, you know, clinical nutrition and working with my clients. So, um, I study functional medicine, alternative medicine, right? Um, kind of the, uh, other end of the spectrum (laughs) when it comes to, you know, modern medicine right now. And, um, you know, to help people primarily with chronic debilitating disease that they're not getting in the, you know, typical doctor's office. So, um, that's my entire education, you know, because my mom had Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid, Mm -hmm. that pretty much motivated me to focus on autoimmune disease and change gears to focus on that in grad school because I went into it primarily with an interest in cancer, um, to be totally honest, and then I switched gears because my mom had this issue and we needed to get to the bottom of it because she was getting, you know, uh, the runaround from you know, a dozen different endocrinologists to yeah. no avail. So, so therefore, Hashimoto's is basically my number one area of specialty as a result of that, followed by, you know, a bunch of other 
autoimmune issues like your belt, these frogs, celiac, and uh, reproductive disorders, PCOS, endometriosis, PMDD. Um, so, because they're all intertwined in, in a lot of ways. So, I had to learn that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, that's, that's really the bulk of what I do. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad I did it because, you know, I'll just say this up front, you know, the incidence of uh, autoimmune disease is just really astronomical and it's only worsening. Um, so the awareness around autoimmune disease is such a big deal to me um, because it's, it's, I think it's really marginalized a lot, especially doc by doctors. They, they give that impression to, to patients and say that it's not a big deal, right? And people, including my clients, at one point believe that and, you know, they think that, well, because I'm asymptomatic, I'm totally fine, all is well, you know, <laughs> see, you, see you later. But really, you've been breeding a uh, turbulent inflammatory storm in your body for many, many, many years, um, even over a decade in some cases. So, you know, we wait too long to get that diagnostic label, and at that point, it gets even harder to manage. So my, my whole goal here, at least specifically within the fitness industry, is to bring awareness to this and, you know, take preemptive action now as you're young. You know, in your early 20s, yeah. you don't have to deal with it, the shit that's going to come later on, later on in your life. Yeah. And so, I think... in the simplest way to put it, I, I, so this, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 you can go on. Yeah, I was probably going to say, conclude by saying that. In the simplest way, for me, I, I just want to, and I'm helping women regain control of their body again, uh, reverse their chronic disease and reach their, you know, highest potential, um, become the best version of themselves so they can live a life that they deserve with, you know, confidence, fulfillment, and vitality. Like, that's, <laughs> honestly, that's, that's really the truth of it. Yeah, and that's awesome. And I think, like, because I've had a lot of health issues, too, and, you know, I have IBS, which you were helping me with before, um, but I've also dealt with, like, different fertility issues and things like that. And any time I would go to the doctor about basically anything like IBS or any type of fertility thing they would just be like you're fine and like brush it off and then cover it up with drugs and I hated that and I feel like you're the opposite mm -hmm. like you actually try to get to the root cause of the issues which is so important and I I think more doctors need to focus on that instead of just like here's some drugs because I'm like um no <laughs> I don't want that exactly and listen I'll just say it too that I'm not biased necessarily like drugs are not evil they're not like yeah you know the worst thing in the world that you definitely need them in certain situations it's just about context and it's our first line of treatment and that's really where we go wrong because yeah. it shouldn't be it should be very very <laughs> much lower on the totem pole you know what i mean yeah exactly so today's topic we're gonna mostly focus on women's health because i said earlier i did a poll on instagram and we'll do ibs another time i'm sure but Today we're going to talk about women's health and just kind of like various different topics under under this topic, I guess we can say. So first, can you give yeah, us, yeah. can you give us a rundown on like the main parts you focus on with your clients? I know you said something about PCOS and <coughs> things like that. Like, what are what is it that you mainly focus on in like yeah, women's health issues? Right. Yeah. So as you can tell, autoimmune disease is pretty much my jam. So you know, I spend about 90% of my time helping women with uh, that are chronically ill with these issues that they find out, again, really late in the game that they have uh, an autoimmune disease that's really debilitating. Um, but it's not just that, because oftentimes it's comorbid with other reproductive issues. Like, uh, so celiac and ulcerative colitis are very, or sometimes often seen with infertility, right? Yeah. Um, Hashimoto's, 
Um, and PCOS, I, I have that combination many times with clients and or endometriosis as well. So, you know, it, given, again, the alarming increase in their prevalence right now in both of these situations, um, I had to address this in women's health issues because, you know, um, when, truthfully, when, whenever somebody comes to me initially for this autoimmune disease or PCOS, whatever, it's never just that. There's seemingly always something else. Yes. So I'll say this over and over and over again, but the psychological element here, the emotional roadblocks, past trauma, these stressors um, are everyone's biggest impediment when it comes to healing, 10 out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. No amount of diet, exercise, supplements, drugs will correct for that and improve outcomes unless you correct that first. You can literally sink your way into sickness. It's, the placebo effect is so real. Yeah. So, you know, but you can also think your way to better health. So this has been documented in literature. It's a real thing, but we just kind of, over, you know, go over it and don't think about it. Um, but isn't that empowering as hell to know that you can literally improve your health outcomes just by changing your, your mindset? So that's what I think is so cool about it, but we still have to do it, you know? But outside of emotional roadblocks, there's often, you know, IBS, migraines, chronic fatigue, you know, uh, cystic acne, amenorrhea, menorrhagia, insomnia, all that stuff, all these symptoms that women present, they, they're all interwoven. So whenever I have an autoimmune, an autoimmune disease client or an endometriosis client, there's always something else going on or multiple things. So you have to address all of it. You know, that's the only way to heal the body. Um, and that's where med- conventional medicine goes wrong and fails and why drugs don't resolve the problem. Um, because there's no single drug to address this or that, you know. Um, so when people ask me, what do I do? <laughs> you know, do you just do nutrition? I say, no, I do everything because that's, everything needs attention, right, that your doctor's been giving you yeah. because that's the only way you'll heal. You know, not with birth control, not with metformin, not or this, with this drug or that drug. It's a holistic approach that addresses, again, like you said, the underlying root issue, and that's exactly it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I have a question for you. Do you feel like like all of these issues are more prevalent now? And if so, why? Because I feel like I've seen it a lot more often, people coming forward saying, like, I have amenorrhea, I have PCOS, I all my hormones are all messed up, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if it's just because it's, like, the fitness industry because everyone just, like, goes hard and, like, starves themselves and there's, like, what, 0% body fat? <laughs> or is it just, like, or is it actually... Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing is, we're not going to have a clear answer on that. I think it's really a multitude of uh, uh, many, many, many things. You know, it's it's yeah, the the, the stress from dieting, competing, and uh, you know that that definitely plays a role here, and that's the fire. But it's it's largely also just our environment, our diet, our agriculture, the environmental toxins, um, the that dysbiosis, the havoc. <laughs> that we're creating in our gut, all of these things, our immune, immune tolerance has gotten less, much and much, much and much less. So you have to think about all these things, and it's really the snowballing together to cause all these massive issues. And that's why people have PCOS and autoimmune diseases literally blown up like nobody's business, and it has over the past 60 years. You can see it on the graph, you know, on a statistical graph. So. Yeah, it's a major concern. So it's not by accident. It's really just things are changing globally, or well, really in this in this nation, I would say, um, because you don't see autoimmune disease as prevalent in 
you know, uh, Asia or, you know, in that side of the world, mm -hmm. right? So it's definitely, a, it's definitely a lot to do with what's going on in this country. So uh, now more than ever, we need to find better approaches to addressing these issues. Yeah, I agree. Um, so like with all of that, I guess let's, let's talk about hormones and periods. Because I talk a lot, a lot about this on my own personal social media channels, like especially amenorrhea, because I had amenorrhea, um, like especially, I guess, in the fitness industry, since we were just talking about the fitness industry. Um, how would you say like diet and nutrition and exercise play a role in these issues? So first and foremost, um, it's always 100% and you, you already know this, Brittany, it's all, always individualistic, right? So yeah. there are some obviously big players here that will you know, kind of make an impact here in terms of, um, you know, affecting your health and your weight loss efforts and all that. But, you know, really it's, it comes back to body type, right? Your own biochemical individuality mm -hmm. um, and kind of your hormones and that, and that stuff. Um, diet, right? And your macro distribution, which ties in your, into your body type and, again, is contingent upon, I think, also, the degree of your hormones and how sensitive or insensitive you are to carbs, for example. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, I think stress management, mind, mind and body, you know, um, is the biggest, biggest overarching point here. Yeah. Mental stress is, is literally the Achilles heel, the Achilles heel, I think here, because um, it will, you know, it, like I said before, the mind is so powerful and it can literally lead you into sickness. You know, there's such an upsurge right now in anxiety and depression that you can see it. My, you can see it, I can see it. Um, and I think that's where people get stuck a lot of times with either helping, you know, restore their cycle, get back on track and reverse the disease, or even with, you know, body composition. Right. Um, but for me, my focus is on disease, so, and I see that already myself. So, um, yeah, I mean, all these things really play a, bit, a, a role here. Um, but it, it, again, it's the nuances, right, between individuals that really is just really, it's really challenging because you have to figure out what works for you or find somebody that'll help you get there. You're never going to find out like a, a plan online, you know, in a Google search that's going to help you figure it out. You know, we really have to really got to grasp that idea. Yeah, of course. But I know like with amenorrhea and stuff, I feel like a lot of times it's from what I've seen and like my personal experience, I got amenorrhea because of dieting and because of like, you know, going through extremes mm -hmm. like with really reducing a lot of calories and getting low body fat and just both the mental and physical stressors all together. And like the only reason, the only way that I, I reversed my amenorrhea was to eat more, rest more, exercise less and things like that. And I feel like a lot of people can kind of get rid of that naturally just by doing that, which almost seems weird to some people. Oh, you want me to gain weight and eat more calories and do less cardio, but. Yeah, yeah. So to that point, actually, well, you're absolutely right. For most people, it's a, it's a physical stress through, you know, chronic dieting and a lot of cardio and all that stuff and low calories that causes the minoria. But when you're trying to restore it, um, then it ends up being, you know, most of a, a psychological issue because people try to reverse diet. They cut back on their cardio and exercise, do this and that, but there's still emotional <clears throat> roadblocks that are 
preventing people from restoring the cycle, and I see that. True. Because they're doing everything right, you know, like textbook, and yet they're still, you know, having issues in their relationships, right? They're having struggles with finances. They don't like their job, right? They're uh, having anxiety about, you know, not having their favorite Hilltop flavor, right? You know, it's stuff like that, <laughs> literally. So, um, not to pick on Hilltop or anybody who uses this. <laughs> I'm trying to say, like, these little trivial stressors, they're the reasons why people are getting a cycle back, that all affects your hormones. Right. So do you see, like do you also see that when, that people often get misdiagnosed like with PCOS when they actually have amenorrhea because for me personally I was misdiagnosed with PCOS I had cysts on my ovaries but it was mostly just because I wasn't shedding the lining and my my ovaries just like naturally made cysts and then I feel like a lot of times people go in and they have amenorrhea due to like chronic dieting, low body fat, things like that, and all these stressors. And then their doctor's like, oh, you probably have PCOS. But then they don't do any more tests. Like I've had so many people come to me like asking me, oh, I was diagnosed with PCOS. And then um, I asked them like what their doctor, if they even checked their hormones. And they're like, no. And then like they checked their ovaries. They had no cysts. And they're like, oh, you probably have PCOS. And I'm like, that makes no sense. Like why are they diagnosing everyone with PCOS when... It sounds like they don't even have PCOS. Like, they don't even have cysts on their ovaries. It makes no sense. That's, that's interesting. I didn't know you had that as a possibility. But, um, yeah, it, it is a little weird. It's, it's interesting because PCOS is largely misdiagnosed. Um, but to your point, you said it was, you know, people or our doctors are overdiagnosing. I don't know. I, I actually never seen that or hear that much, but... Yeah, it, it, it kind of gets swept under the rug, um, I think, for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And um, if they do happen, if they do happen to get a diagnosis, I mean, it doesn't really change much, honestly. That's an unfortunate fact. But um, yeah, with amenorrhea, so here's the thing, right? So with amenorrhea, obviously, like I said, it could be multiple things, um, but it has to be considered in the larger clinical picture here by assessing other symptoms. The last, so. You know, you get the raw, you know, hypothyroidism, right? Um, or hypothalamic menorrhea or PCOS or endometriosis, right? Yeah. Um, but it's tricky because the reason why half the women who have PCOS um, are really lean. Like, they're, like, they're totally awesome, like, stage-ready type of thing, right? And I had, I've had people like that that have PCOS. So it's not biased. It's not yeah. biased to people who are overweight, you know, like we think. Um, and and we, we believe that, that stress... Like, Again, is uh, one of the underlying issues of the under, one of the underpinnings of PCOS. So amenorrhea is just a symptom of PCOS, but it does not indicate it does not is not like the, like the number one you know bit of evidence to show that you have PCOS, and neither are cysts actually. So really, um, there are really if you meet two of the three diagnostic criteria um, of high testosterone, ovarian cysts, or anovulation, or illegal ovulation, you pretty much meet the criteria for PCOS. Now, it doesn't always work out that way because people, uh, I've had people, you know, have no cysts at all, have normal testosterone, um, and some irregularity with their, with their period, maybe not even. So it's a little vague, but again, you have to look at the symptoms. That's what I'm trying to say to everybody is that Doctors get so hung up on labs. They check your luminescent hormone, you know, they check your testosterone, they check your DHEA, you know, and um, FSH. And, like, it can all look good on paper, but if you have excessive hair growth, hyperpigmentation, right, um, acne, um, these sort of uh, 
issues here, infertility maybe even um, alopecia, um, these sort of issues are, are signs, these are signs of really PCOS. So I, I really encourage people to look at what the body is saying despite what it says on paper because that's what, that's what matters at the end of the day, you know? Um, yeah. that make sense? Yeah, definitely. But it's funny because when, when my doctor thought that I might have PCOS, um, my estradiol was extremely low. Like it was like almost non-existent. And then my testosterone was completely fine. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason why she thought I might have had it was because I had some cysts. And then because I think maybe like my uh, FSH and my TH were kind of in the levels. But then she was like, well, it might be amenorrhea because your uterus is so thin or something like that. And then eventually I just ended up eating more, gaining some weight, and I got it mm -hmm. back. And then she was like, okay, you probably don't have PCOS. So was, and then all this just went away. So I don't know. It was just very strange. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there definitely could be some overlap between hypothalamic amenorrhea and PCOS a little bit, especially if you've been dieting, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can have a psych you – can, you can have – no period from this, you know, dieting and contest prep and, and, and I think have immature follicles, yeah. um, where again, you, you present cysts, like you said. Um, but yeah, that, again, that doesn't mean you have, um, PCOS. There, there actually is another diagnostic tool, um, that some doctors will use. I don't get it. I don't hear that much, but anti-malarian hormone, which basically will check the, the ovary, um, size. And, um, that's, you know, one way to help get a better, get better clarity on it. Yeah. But even that is not just like the, the, the perfect diagnostic tool. You have to look at multiple things here, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so let's, what, like, what would you say are like the implications, like short and long term, physically of being too rigid and extreme with diet and exercise? Because um, I think a lot of our listen, or a lot of my listeners that are listening to this, <laughs> um, they have probably are are in the fitness industry or possibly competing things like that. And a lot of times I see people also that like just completely ignore everything and just like compete and compete and compete and compete and then I'm like oh my gosh how are you still living <laughs> and so I just want to talk about like the implications on like your hormones your physical yeah. health and stuff like that for being too rigid yeah seriously you know um so the short and large short and long term implications for being too rigid right okay um with your diet and exercise so Really, the, the short-term uh, issues are like we've been discussing, inoculation, amenorrhea, chronic fatigue, sort of HPA axis dysregulation, so really just uh, an imbalance in the way your adrenals are working. Yeah. And again, that's, that's really a symptom of, like, the, 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 like people talk about adrenal fatigue, which isn't a real issue, a real medical condition, by the way. It's really just a symptom you know, low cortisol or high cortisol, depending on where you want, where you stand on the spectrum, is really a corollary of the stress impacting the, the hypothalamus in your brain. So it's, it's a downstream signaling, you know, issue going on. Um, poor sleep, gut issues. Obviously, when you're under that much stress, you're going to have bacterial growth, yeast, candida, you know, that sort of stuff is very, very common. Um, and that 
all can be, I think, really well managed and mitigated if you are very conscious and, and aware, um, which is a whole other story, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think a lot of us are, but um, we, decided, we decided north, which is, yes, you're that's totally cool if that's what you want to do, but, uh, you know, the concern to me, I think, is the chronic uh, state of this, honestly. That's really it. Um, and never taking the foot off the gas pedal with God test prep and why to do another show and another show and letting the symptoms like kind of, you know, continue for years. I've had girls come to me who've had no period for, you know, five, seven, seven, eight years. Oh, and wow. that's very disconcerting when you're a 20 year old girl, right? It hurts my heart. The risk of infertility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The risk for infertility is oh, sky high, you know, along with, you know, thyroid issues and gut issues is, um, but above all, I mean, it's what that lifestyle does to your mind mm -hmm. that keeps us shackled to the diet mindset, right? And, and further perpetuates this mindless way of living where we don't know who the hell we are, what our bodies are doing, have a sense of intuition with eating and exercise. And we're, as I call, like literally walking zombies and don't know what we're doing. You know, we, we, we literally live that mantra, eat, sleep, gym, eat, sleep, gym, right? Yeah. And that's not healthy at all. Well, you know that. So if you can break that pattern and shift gears, awesome. Power to you. I hope you do that. And for a lot of people, honestly, that's not the case. We can't, even when we try. So if you can restore your sex hormones and your menstrual cycle and ditch, you know, counting macros and switch to intuitive eating, then that's fantastic. But it's rare, you know. But when you can't break that pattern and you're living every single day with loads of anxiety, stressing about food, surviving, you know, social events, um, trying to hit your macro targets, and, and freaking, about, freaking out about missing the gym. Um, when all that, those things kind of like, inundate your mind, and it detracts from your ability to live boundlessly and, and freely, is when you're doing this all wrong, and you're not living the life you intended to. So for many, for many girls, we are stuck there, and we can't make the transition, um, from being confined in our own mental prison, really, to freedom. Yeah. Um, so that that's actually the, the really the, the long term major issues that I see with you know chronic and extreme dieting. That's so true. I don't even think about that. But so I I think about competing sometimes again. But when you mention that, like the mental stressors, I remember like being in prep. And I was just so consumed with everything, like being obsessed with my body, obsessed with macros, everything like that. And then even after I stopped competing, like it, it took me so long. I'm not even kidding. Probably, I want to say 10 years at least to actually finally get to a point where I could eat intuitively and actually be happy with my body and not be so hyper-focused all the time. Because I was always in a constant state of either competing and being obsessed with that or reverse dieting. And so I had to like hit my macros with that. And then I was still mentally stressed because I had to gain some body fat back and I was so used to seeing my body so lean and then I was still lean, but I mm -hmm. it was so, so crazy. Literally like right before I got pregnant, it was probably the best I have ever been mind wise with my fitness and nutrition. And then I think of, of erasing that with competing and it just, it just stresses me out because I'm like, I feel like I'll never get back to where I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, it's the mental stress because if you're stuck there, you're ne never going to restore your cycle. You're never going to have a, uh, <clears throat> a life that's 
makes you happy. You're never going to enjoy social events, friends, and time with family, right? We're going to end up hiding in our corner, you know, eating your chicken and broccoli. You know what I mean? Like that's really, it's really sad. You know, I don't want to see people do that. I, don't, I know you don't either. Yeah, completely agree. So would you say like, if your hormones are messed up, do you think like a one of the biggest ways to balance them is to just get your mind right and just stop stressing and relax? Yeah. I mean, I know it's individualized, but... <laughs> yes, but but easier said than done, right? Yeah. So um, the answer is yes, getting your mind straight and changing your outlook and perspective on life and, and everything. But, you know, the way you do that is very, very complex and it's hard. And, you know, I, I think that's, in all honesty, I've only seen people get well when they actually um, are getting alignment again with life is when they work with somebody and get guidance because it's, it's, you can't do it solo. You just can't. Yeah. So, you know, that's the first and foremost thing, you know. Agreed. Okay, so let's kind of like switch gears completely <laughs> and talk about like how maybe, how right. maybe like, um, like female hormones, how they can affect the fat loss process. Um, because like obviously women are supposed to be getting their periods monthly and like how this can affect the fat loss process. Um, cause I, I have, I did hear a while back, like I'm pretty sure it was Lyle McDonald and he discussed like how, if you start a diet when you're like in a specific part of your cycle, like basically you're setting yourself up for failure for the entire diet. Is this true? And, um, like how just kind of explain how hormones yeah. can affect like the fat loss process for women. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's wild to say that. I mean, I think that's a, an extreme statement. Um, I, I don't think you're screwed necessarily. I think there are challenges you will face depending on where you are, right? Yeah. Um, but again, even that is, is uh, again, lower the totem pole, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So, so yes, hormones dictate everything, right? We, we should understand that if we haven't, you know. Without balance there, calories barely matter. Right, thyroid hormone dictates everything. Every cell in the body has a receptor for thyroid hormone and vitamin D, in case you want to know. So, you know, it, it, it controls everything. So you need to have properly functioning, you know, thyroid hormones. And considering that a lot of us are subclinical hypothyroid, that's not good, right? So that's something you need to rule out, figure out on your own before anything else, okay? Right. Secondly, um, <clears throat> insulin and cortisol management is really uh, next on the uh, maximum total pole. So car control and stress, both exercise, stress, and psychological stress, mm. like I've been talking about. Um, those, those two things, you know, thyroid, cortisol, insulin, they take precedence over pretty much anything. Mm. Um, and I would, I would be more concerned about focusing on those things for, um, then thinking about, well, where in your cycle are you, right? Yeah. Because, <clears throat> I'll tell you why, because estrogen and progesterone, we know that they're fluctuating throughout the entire month, um, but they're, you know, they're higher in the, in the uh, follicular phase and luteal is higher in progesterone and that sort of stuff, stuff, but we're already very imbalanced, so that's the problem here because, you know, we, we think that we're, we're actually living what the chart will show you, right? But because we're so imbalanced, it's not makes it very hard to figure out what will work for you um, because <clears throat> many of us live in this estrogen dominant state. That's 
literally um, very true for a lot of people, um, which is why PMS is really a thing. It's a high estrogen state relative to progesterone. So, you know, for women who have stubborn fat in their hips and thighs, it's, it's an estrogen issue, okay? Right. For, you know, belly fat and that stuff, it's a cortisol issue, mostly. And it's one. Um, so, if we're, if we're going to talk about how to manipulate our diet and exercise for the men, for the for menstrual cycle, we need to kind of, uh, <laughs> well, A, look at our body type, see what kind of, you know, if we have a lot of weight in our hips and thighs and that sort of stuff, and to see, you know, kind of like, well, what is my hormone balance like? You know, that's hard to do. You can test that stuff, but, um, <clears throat> you know, we could we could kind of just go for it and wing it and say that, you know, you're probably in a high estrogen state, right? So if we're going to try to manipulate that and, and gain control of that, we need to understand a few things here. Estrogen is a double-edged sword, right? So uh, for all the science nerds who want to know these sort of things, let's say it. <laughs> we have these um, adrenergic receptors, right, in your hips and thighs. Mm -hmm. They're eight times their, like, we've, women I think have like eight times more than women, or than men. And they're, they're beta kind and they're the alpha kind. And they pretty much interact with catecholamines, so like cortisol, adrenaline, right? So when we have a high estrogen state, we increase the alpha density and sensitivity, which basically means that you have a harder time releasing fat, mm -hmm. right? So that's one issue right there. So if we're going to try to, you know, work with our period and try to optimize fat loss, we need to control the estrogen issue, right? It's not so much a diet issue at that point. But again, you have to look at, we still have to control for cortisol and insulin, you know what I mean? So we can't isolate and look at different things, you know what I mean? Um, so that's the issue there. So obviously, um, then the best way to overcome this is to manage estrogen, right? So um, starting a diet, you know, during a certain part of your cycle, I don't think we'll say a failure at all. It's about learning your body and working with it by changing, you know, your exposure to phenoestrogen, things like that, um, and reducing total burden, right? Yeah. So, with that said, though, um, yeah, I mean, it, you can certainly change your diet and exercise a little bit to help push the needle a little bit, but it's not going to make a big difference if you don't control for the cortisol and insulin and thyroid, right? So during your high, higher estrogen, you know, state during your follicular phase, yeah, more carbs are going to be, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to handle more carbs better. You'll be able to uh, build more muscle. Um, and then compare, uh, conversely with the luteal phase, you can basically assume that, well, it's going to be harder to lose weight and therefore you should probably have a lower carb, uh, you know, two weeks at that point. So it's a subtle change, you know what I mean? But like, even if you do that, it doesn't matter if you're not controlling for the, again, the thyroid, the insulin, the cortisol. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. And I think with everything, it's probably very individualized because for me personally, whenever I, I get my cycle, like I never get cravings, like I don't get cramps, I don't get sick. The only thing I get is my period. I, I don't ever feel really much different, but I know some people, mm -hmm. they're like so sick, like they can't even leave the bed. They like are so emotional, they crave everything. So I guess it depends on them too. Obviously, if they started a diet and when they like first get their period and they like want to eat the whole world, just lay in bed, then yeah, that makes sense. But... 
So I guess it's, yeah, yeah. it's individualized too. <laughs> so how would you say that oh. that women could like safely lose fat while trying to keep their hormones in balance as best as possible? I mean, I know it's different. If you're trying to compete and get on stage and get a certain percent body fat. But if people are just trying to lose fat, how how could they do it effectively while keeping their hormones in balance? Because for me personally, there was a point where anytime I dieted at all, my calories were still super high. My exercise was not super crazy or anything. I would lose my period the second I started a diet. It was crazy. <laughs> so I don't know if there's like a way that yeah, yeah. you can do that. Or I mean, probably my body was just like, I'm wow. done. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> mhm. Mm and that's yeah, and that's the thing. Everybody's so everybody's so different on the spectrum with in terms of sensitivity to stress, right? Yeah. Like you like like you just alluded to, like the second you like <laughs> the second your body's like, uh, um, your hundred calories low, you know, BMR, like, hey, shut everything down. You're like that's you know, that's not that's not always the case to everybody. That's literally me. <laughs> it just pretty much paints yeah, yeah, it, it, it just points to the fact that everyone's different and you have to be conscious of that, aware, and respectful at the same time, you know, of your body and what it's telling you. So, you know, the, the thing is that if you really wanted to keep a, you know, keep tabs on this, you could measure your, you can measure your hormones, right? And see, well, you know, how do I know when I'm dieting that my hormones are in balance, like my sex hormones, my estrogen, my progesterone, my testosterone, all that, luteinizing hormone. Um, I'll quickly say that the way we kind of test these hormones right now is through blood, which is not ideal, and which is why I kind of roll my eyes when I see labs with these, you know, <laughs> uh, when I see these labs because they're all tested in blood, and, you know, the issue is that it's kind of like thyroid. You know, it's bound up to certain proteins, so it's not readily available. Right. Right, so just like T, free T3 and free T4 are the available hormones to, to tissues, mm -hmm. that's what we need to see with the sex hormones. And the weight test for that is in saliva, not blood. So I rarely ever see anybody get saliva, uh, use saliva as a medium to test that. Um, and doctors still do that traditionally, so that's why it's hard. But if you want to know, test saliva, right? Yeah. There's a, uh, a test called the Dutch test. I would suggest if you really wanted to know, get a Dutch uh, test done. I think it's like Dutch.com or something like that. I don't know. You can easily Google it, like Dutch test, D-U-T-C-H. Um, and that will help, that'll help you uh, figure it out. Also, the thing is that the other it, troubling issue might be uh, the, obviously the fluctuations in hormones. So like people want to, you, know, you, you can test your, your progesterone and testosterone, um, and your estrogen, sorry. Um, on like say like day three of your period, right? Okay, so that'll be a good reflection of your estrogen, but your progesterone is almost like non-existent. So why the hell would you test it then? It's higher. It's it's better to test it like between days nineteen and twenty-two, right? Right. So you have to be mindful of that and test it. You know, so so like it could be all over the map depending on when you test in the month. You know what I mean? So you have to do it at the right time. Um, so with that aside. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, like, birth control, if you're on birth control, a lot of this is not even going to be irrelevant because it's already just skewing everything. That's pretty obvious. So, um, but really, my, my answer to your question here about how to, you know, lose weight effectively and safely and keep your hormones in balance, I mean, 
I, I know I sound like a broken record, but it, it comes back to, again, the psychological issue and, and stress because, and I'm going to have a weird, I'm going to have a different answer here, um, but I hope it's helpful. So really what I mean is have more me time, like have more Brady time, right? Yeah. What do, I mean, what do I mean by that? Well, right, stress is derailing your hormones, right? And that's a lot of the reason why people have such a hard time losing the last five, ten pounds, maybe. Um, when you're already fighting an uphill battle with chronic dieting and exercise, right? But when you add on that psychological layer of what's going on in your life, um, and this definitely um, applies to, you know, restoring your cycle as well, obviously, we need to address the stress and what's going on because when we let our subconscious mind dominate our life and we don't allow our consciousness to awaken and speak to us, you know, that's where we fall off the map. We have, to, we have desires, right? We have wishes, don't we? But we do nothing to fulfill that need. Hmm. You cannot have that until you change your outlook and harness your stressors. It's really that simple. So if you want to lose weight and even change your life circumstances, the holes in your life, you want to fix those things, you have to control the stress. And control the stress. And you control the stress by looking deep within you and making a conscious change. So uh, removing the things that are pulling you into the dark abyss, right? Finding the things and the people that uplift you and revive you. Um, getting rid of people that are draining you. Because um, without that, you will never. You'll be. You'll, you'll be in a never-ending battle with your body and your mind, right? So you need to spend more time learning about you, your body, and really being introspective. Like start thinking about the troubled areas in your life. Maybe it's your low thyroid, your IBS, your finances, your job, you don't like your relationships that are draining you, people that are draining you, like I said. Um, you know, apathy in general with your day. You know, we have to um, really start exploring and reframing our mindset because that's literally the most salient point here. You know, you, you can't, you can do everything right, like I said, but if you're stuck in your mind, your hormones are never going to get back up, right? If you don't know your thoughts and your emotions or why they are the way they are, it just compounds the whole problem. And that's not conducive for weight loss, right? So the, that's, that's really the most <laughs> long-winded answer, but it's, it's so true to me, you know? No, that is true. So I don't know if you remember when I lived in LA, obviously we lived there at the same time. I thought that I might want to compete again. So I started dieting and I remember from, I think December to December to February, I could, I wasn't losing any weight, any fat, anything. I was like rigidly tracking my macros and increasing cardio and like decreasing calories. I'm like, nothing was happening. And then at one point I was like, fuck this. So then I just started eating intuitively and listening to my body. And literally I just started losing fat effortlessly. And it's just cause I wasn't stressed about it anymore. And I was just like, I was like, so like I said, I was like so relaxed and mm -hmm. so like balanced with my food and nutrition that I just got leaner effortlessly. And it was because of the stress I believe, which is exactly what you just said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so let's. Last thing yep. I want to talk about is um, birth control because <laughs> you did bring that up, and um, oh, my favorite. Yes, yeah, right. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, many women take birth control for like a lot of reasons. So the first thing I want to say is, can this affect fat loss and dieting? Because I people ask me this all the time, and 
Um, I'm like, first of all, I'm not a doctor, but <clears throat> for me personally, anytime I was on birth control, it affected my fat loss and things like that. So, mm -hmm. so can birth yeah. control affect it? Yeah. So yes and no. And so what I'll, what I'll say is that the, the only evidence I've ever seen with, um, birth control affecting weight loss is the progestin version, right? So there's evidence of that indicating, you know, higher, higher risk for weight gain. But the combined version, right, of estrogen and progestin, I mean, there's really not much there for that affecting weight loss. Um, so I'll say that first. Um, now, basically the way I see it with um, all affecting weight loss otherwise is that because here's really what happens. Um, I, I don't know any other way to say this. Uh, birth control will raise what's known as sex hormone binding globulin, which binds to thyroid hormone and estrogen progesterone. So it literally can bind up your thyroid so much that, well, now you have a hard time losing weight, which obviously makes sense because I told you that you're right, that dictates everything. If you have what is maybe like subclinical type of thyroidism, like that's the problem, right? And you can see how that can affect weight loss, right? Yeah. Among other things. So that's probably, you know, so this is a, that's a hit and miss issue because women will just well. I mean, you know that, I've seen that, you can see it. So um, again, everybody's different and responds differently, but it's something that we can't rule, it's something that we can't just ignore, right? Um, it is possible. So if you feel like you have trouble losing weight, then you have to maybe consider that. Um, if you look at a lab, you'll see, you know, uh, sex from a binding globulin probably in the three to 400 range, even up muscle group. If that's the case, then, you know, and it, it parallels with kind of like low thyroid activity and, and stuff like that, and then maybe that's an indication that you need to change something. You know, um, so that, that's probably, uh, you know, the only scenario, situation where that can affect your weight loss ability, you know? Okay, cool. Makes sense. So how can, like, I personally think that birth control a lot of times is like a cover up for many issues that we discussed earlier, like for amenorrhea, PCOS, things like that. Um, is that true in your opinion that a lot of times it just covers up the issue and like I said, like a lot of times doctors just are like, here go on birth control and they don't like get to the root cause. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it, it, <laughs> it, it totally is just a tool to mask the issue, but um, you know, and that doesn't, the reason why we, we don't, we, we kind of uh, don't, I realize that is because the doctors will instill this idea that you're suddenly back in balance. You're, you know, you're fine again by taking birth control, right? True. Um, and that's definitely not the case. So it's hard because when you, it, people are so loyal to the doctor and they believe everything they say, right? And it's very hard to, to have listened to somebody like myself, <laughs> you know, trying to come out of nowhere and say, well, no, it's actually doing this. Like, you know, you're taking birth control to really to mask, to suppress the issues. You're taking birth control to eliminate the symptoms, but you still have an underlying problem. You still have PCOS, 
you still have insulin dysregulation, right? Still have inflammation. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I think a blind man can see this, but, like, what is so healthy and normal about suppressing a normal part of the female physiology, right? Yeah. Um, why is that suddenly... Why is that suddenly seen as like a societal norm? Why is it okay? Or why do we trivialize it and say that it's not a big deal? And I think that's the uh, I think that's the, the main question I want to ask. You know. Um, but yeah, totally. I mean, birth control for any purposes outside of contraceptive purposes um, is it, just a band-aid. It's plain and simple. You know, I I, I don't know how else to say it. So. It's ultimately up to you whether you want to use it for your health issues, your PCOS, your endometriosis. Let's tell you your call. But it doesn't change the fact that you still have issues. You still have, you're still at a higher risk of having bigger complications, uh, endometrial hyperplasia, like that stuff, more surgeries. Like I, it will still happen. I have clients that have done multiple surgeries, laparoscopic surgeries, because they try birth control and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> so. You know, it's just a matter of time before you kind of like, uh, you know, throw in the towel and make a change. So whether that change is now or later, it's up to you, right? Yeah, that makes total sense. So what would you say would be long-term effects of birth control if you are using it to mask the issue? Would it like, would the answer to that basically just be like, yeah. you'll never get to the bottom of what you're actually dealing with? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think, yeah, so... You're, you're, you're okay, I think, to some extent. I don't want to say you're that okay if you want to use it for, you know, pregnancy purposes and a lot of stuff. But it's, it's really, like, the chronic, chronic use of, of, of it. Of, or, or let's also make a distinction here. Hormonal contraceptives, not, like, Paragard or copper IUD. Like, that's different, okay? So let's talk about hormonal birth control only. Um, the issues are, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of different really, honestly, between short-term and long-term. So for short-term, like, yeah, uh, you'll have depression probably and anxiety. I see that a lot. Um, and, and gut dysfunction. Um, but even beyond that, um, the really, it's, it's really just the long-term effects that, that are, are documented, and that's what's really, really concerning to me. Uh, um, so to kind of gloss over that, you know, we have hypothyroidism. We can easily see that, how that happens. That's what I just explained it, right? Gallstones, um, hypertension even. Really, it's, a, it's an increased oxidative and inflammatory stress or a, a state in the body. That's what happens, yeah. you know? We, we can actually see this in labs, you know? Um, so inflammatory markers are definitely higher on birth control. Dysbiosis, gut bacteria imbalances, um, you know, why do you think, you know, candida, SIBO, all these, you know, viruses and such are causing problems in gut havoc, right? Yes. It, it literally will wreak havoc on your gut lining, right? Uh, um, and then we can get into more, like, uh, rare, more uh, less common issues, like um, uh, venous, venous thromboembolisms, like, you know, blood clots in your legs and stuff like that. I mean, that, it definitely could happen, but it's obviously not common. Um, and I, uh, yeah, blood clotting risks in general are higher on birth control, um, which is concerning, but, you know, again, that's, uh, the risk of, the risk there probably, you know, is tied back to individual 
individualism, honestly, um, and other factors as well. But, you know, if anything else, it will decrease, <laughs> it will deplete literally an, an entire um, an array of nutrients. So zinc, selenium, tyrosine, like literally every B vitamin, tryptophan, tryptophan, vitamin C, vitamin E, selenium, magnesium, I can go on, pretty much a lot of those and more. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, this contributes to the, the, to the malnourished state of the body, right? Yeah. And um, now, now the, like I'll just say this real quick. The latest uh, thing that I can add to this list is from a study I read last week is increased risk for autoimmune disease. So people ask me why am I anti birth control? Well, I'm anti autoimmune disease. So <laughs> like that's really troubling to me because considering that's my my demographic, right? And when we can see that you know there's an e- increased risk. Um, there's an increased risk of lupus, Crohn's disease, cystitis with hormonal contraceptives. I mean, that's that's low. I don't, you know, that's not good news. And, and I can say that the proposed reason, probably why it's happening, is because of the other effect on the immune system, and, which is already awry in autoimmune disease in general. So, like, there's a loss of tolerance to food, bacteria, parasites, toxins. That causes your your white blood cells to get really hypersensitive to these different antigens. So um, that's where that's basically trying to that's me just trying to say that a way of saying that birth control is really altering the immune system, the bacteria in a very unfavorable way. So when you add that on top of everything else that's going on in this world and their diet and their stressors, I mean it's a big it's a big problem, right? So it's just one thing that you have implicit control over to dampen your inflammation, reduce total body burden, and avoid disease, right? So it's up to you if you want to take that risk or not. But there are, the, the cons, oh, they so far outweigh the pros with, with you know, birth control. So that's, that's what I got to say about that. <laughs> Damn, I never knew that it could cause autoimmune disease. Like, I've never been a fan of birth control, but that's just because every time I've taken it, like, I just felt like shit, and I've gotten all of the side effects, so I'm just like, bye. But um, I'm also pregnant now, mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> people are always like, what do I do for birth control? I'm like, I don't know, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't ask me. But... Um, all right. Well, I think we pretty much talked about everything and everything was amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Cool. If you want to go ahead and plug in your coaching, your social media, everything like that, be my guest. Oh, yeah. 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 It was was my pleasure. I'm really happy to uh, talk about this anytime. So thank you. Um, Yeah. You know, (laughs) if you want to hear me talk more about the stuff and how you can regain control of your mind, your body, you know, all that stuff at the root level. Um, you, you can find me at NutritionX on Twitter. If you don't know me already, um, and on Instagram, it's nutrition underscore max and website is nutritionmax.fit. And that's all I got. You can email me uh, at justin at nutritionmax.fit.fit. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer anything. I always email back. So, uh, yeah. I um, appreciate you guys listening, and hopefully it was helpful. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. And if you guys are dealing with any of the issues that we talked about, definitely reach out to Justin because he's obviously very well educated, as you heard in this podcast, and he'll help you out. 
So again, thank you for being on, and I will see you guys in the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.